You're listening to the Fox and the Phoenix podcast. Understanding the feminine cross-dressing experience. I'm Savannah Hawk, dual gender male to female crossdresser, LGBTQ plus advocate, TEDx speaker, and author of the Living with Crossdressing book series. And I'm Julie Rubenstein, proud ally and co-founder of FoxandHanger.com, a feminine styling and life coaching service for cross-dressers and transgender women. Hi, Savannah. Hi, Julie. You look amazeballs right now. Oh, thank you. I have a pop of red and I have what? I'm wearing my, my black hat, my black full brim hat, and I have mm-hmm. some red, fiery red tendrils. I am returning from a very delicious coffee date with a lovely listener and friend to the podcast, Brianna Tracy. Hi, Brianna. Hi, Brianna. How are you? She's she's probably listening to this on her commute in or home or whatever it is, but I can feel her energy as she listens to us say her name. She is such a love and just is all heart. That was she really is so. generous with her time. She's generous with her heart. And yeah, she is an amazing asset for this community, for sure. Just amazing. We went to this Le Petite coffee shop that's like, it's very small. I've never been. It's in my town. And yet there's always a line out the door. Literally, the storefront is a door. And you walk in and it's this, I guess it's as close to Paris as I'm going to get. (laughs) there's a following and Brianna seems to know all the ins and outs about when the, when the breakfast turns into the lunch and they have Mm. these perfect ham and Swiss croissants that are to die for. And then someone in front of me was talking about the butter, this French style butter. And my mind was blown when I, I see why there's a line outside, outside the store. It was truly magnificent. Wow. It sounds amazing. Yeah. So thank you so much, Brianna, for treating me to some treats. We got two little quiches. Mm-hmm. They were delicious. One had like cheese and artichoke and the other had, what's it, bell peppers. And then this delicious flaky glazed dessert deliciousness and mocha coffee. Damn. Yes, I know. Boy, this being on this podcast must be a letdown. Good Lord. That sounds oh, my goodness. So, yeah, it was delicious. It was delicious. So, that was my morning. Wow. How are you? I'm well. Typical Starbucks run. I'll hold up my half-drunk venti espresso. I did a whole bunch of work. Good news. Well, good news, bad news. I don't know. But good news is I finished the LGBTQ sci-fi dystopian first edit and if you remember from months ago almost a year ago i was all excited this woman maria that i had met when i was in connecticut for reception Mm. for the family she was she's in the industry she's an agent slash publisher and i'm like oh my god opportunity max so i sent her the book as it was which was rough 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 draft happening didn't even do copy editing yet at that time and she gave me a ton, which is amazing. She said, I'm sorry, I have to pass on the book, which was heartbreaking, a little tear shed. But she gave me a list of things like, I'm not sure about this. This was underdeveloped. I'd rather see this, blah, 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 blah. I yeah. didn't understand this. And I'm like, oh, shit. So today I spent the morning taking all her notes, 
and compiling like how I'm going to address it, how to change the narrative, even answering questions I didn't have answers to. Oh, why did that person do that? That makes no sense to the character why she did that. What was her motivation? So I started like filling out some more of the body of the characters and like how they interact and why they're interacting. I could definitely have them interact, but if it makes no sense, then it's distracting. So I spent the majority of the day today doing that. And I'm excited to dig into that while I'm waiting for some peer review for Living with Cross Wrestling mm. Book Three. Oh, that's amazing. It feels like a slow climb, I feel. And then all of a sudden, there's this momentum to it. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, you're at the top of the cliff and being like, oh, there's another cliff. I'm going to run up. So, yeah, your work ethic is amazing. And I think that getting to this point is such a, I don't know, it's such a beautiful moment of pride to be able to be like, wow, I accomplished this chunk. It doesn't feel like I'm dissecting a paragraph and trying to make sense and shape a whole paragraph. There's movement, there's pages, there's accomplishment. And I know for you, someone that has an incredible amount of discipline, even when it comes to those little itty bitty paragraphs and those little (laughs) waiting for the edits to come back, I think that that sense of accomplishment that we can get when we just meet certain goals. I'm really proud of you. Thank you. Yeah. It's a lot. Unfortunately, I'm glad you were proud of me. Sometimes I don't have enough pride in myself, which is, it's just a problem. It's like not having enough confidence and love of thyself to really go forward with, I'm happy with my accomplishment. I see it as an accomplishment. Sometimes it's just a grind. Sometimes it's like, okay, this thing's done. Now go to the next thing. Okay, that thing's done. Now go to the next thing. And then you, then you get a finished product. Then you're like, all right, well, I guess I'll just wait for somebody to buy one. And then I guess that'll be okay. And then you just start moving on to the next thing. Right. I don't sit in my accomplishment long enough, I think, sometimes. Yes, I know that about you to be true. And it's like you're doing monkey bars. You're doing the monkey bars of life, if you will. You move on to one and then the other and then the other and then the other, and you just keep on chugging away. But I think that it's really important to take a note from jellyfish and to be like a jellyfish because they literally, they're the one species that need movement to survive. So I know for me, I can stand still for a while. I can hem and haw for the book I'm going to write. What is it? Where's the sign? Oh, I don't want to do that. I can put it on the shelf for years, you know. But I think there's something to be said about just keep on moving, even if it feels like you don't see much gold at the end or you're not willing to sit with the gold. You're just willing to search for the next gold. But the important thing is you're moving. Yeah. You're just so keep true. on moving. It's true. I'm definitely a keep on moving. But not, I don't even like glide. As a jellyfish, at least they have the opportunity to, they can settle into the current and they, they look very ethereal and mm. ghostly and angelic sometimes when you see them. It's just so iridescent and amazing. Unless they sting you and that's all other thing. <laughs> <laughs> and then you could die. But while I'm thinking about that, I'm taking a look to my left and I see books on my bookshelf and I see the things I've accomplished. And I really need to take that body of work, both for Chuck and for Savannah, and realize, yeah, you know what? I did that. I did that. And that's a good thing. More so, I enjoy hearing from people. Oh, and speaking of hearing from people, just a shout out. I have gotten so many beautiful comments 
about our episode where I read the letter to my father on air. Mm, And I can't tell you the love and outpouring of emotion I received from people. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Mm. I even heard that some people were crying themselves. And one person said I had to pull off to the side of the road because I was crying. Mm. I was so touched by all these comments. And the one thing I want to say is my words personal to me and to my father and to my situation still have resonated with how people think of their own situation and their own parents. And if they would ever tell their mom or dad or other loved ones. And I think just the idea that one, I touched them on a very emotional level and two, that it gets them to start a little bit of introspection about their own life and what they like to do, I think is amazing. And that and what you and I do together is that amazing thing that we can see the dividends as we produce the content. And that's why I'd like to say to our audience, I love you. I love you so, so much. I love you for being you. I want you to be your best you, all of you. It just touches my heart that we can do this podcast, which you and I could just talk to each other forever on air and just have content. But I love you as my friend and my co-host and my partner in this journey that we're on. And just knowing that the love we have for each other and for the community just radiates out to everybody. Yeah, it's really something else. It's really special. What we have built bleeds over into every facet of our lives when it comes to your books, my business, you know, feeling not so alone. I remember when we started this journey during the heart of the pandemic, and we felt like if one person listens to us, or if five, and we know this is needed in the world, we know that there's nothing like it in the world. We know that we have heard from countless individuals at this point, but neither one of us could be prepared when it comes to the love and support that we feel coming our way from the community. Here we are trying to give back to the community, trying to give, 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 not take anything from ourselves, for ourselves rather, but you and I have been gifted endlessly when it comes to the relationships, when it comes to the outpouring of care and love. It's been amazing. And what allows us to continue building content is the wings. Sometimes during certain moments, especially moments when we had to talk about planning a hiatus, there is a tremendous amount of work that goes into building this podcast. And I know the brunt of it or the weight of it falls on you. I just want to say that not only do we appreciate it so much, but I also want to say that because you, our dear listeners, continue to show up for us, because you continue to say, this is amazing. Thank you. I care. How about this topic? How about that topic? Our cup is overfloweth. So we never feel like there's an ending point or, oh my goodness, what if this, what if we run out of topics? What if, how much can you really say about cross-dressing? Oh my goodness, I'm nervous. Neither one of us really feel that way because what we are building and what we are creating collaboratively is an experience, is a, an echo of humanity, if you will. 
this is a podcast about humanity and the ways in which we show up in the world. And cross-dressing just happens to be that vehicle for which we get to express and explore and live a little. And, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Yeah. And I hope we, I don't know, maybe we're therapy for some people. I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm not looking, I'm not a therapist. Don't get me wrong. I have just my own experiences and my own, the stories I've heard and taken in and processed for others and with others. So while I can never claim to be a professional, (laughs) I do know, and I do think that at the very least, we can provide a voice to somebody for them to ask their own questions. And that's all we can ask. Yeah, I think that the best possible scenario is to listen to us while in therapy so that you can take some of the wisdom and bring it into your own heart and situation and therapeutic space. I do know that not everyone can afford the resources such as therapy. If you can, I recommend it, but maybe you do have a therapist. Maybe that therapist isn't a good match for you. Maybe just listening to us for an hour and 20 minutes every week or whatever it is provides enough of an insight and enough of a platform and landing so that you can feel like you've done some sort of work. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah. yeah. One thing, we don't recommend listening to our podcast during therapy sessions, <laughs> just while you're on the journey of therapy. Yes. So, so let's make sure, don't be putting in your earbuds when your therapist is trying to right. talk to you, just saying. Uh, right. And number two, hopefully you can bring some of these ideas to your therapist and see what they say and if they are familiar. It's an interesting exercise as well. Well, speaking of bringing some of the things into therapy and exercises and all that jazz, you, Miss Savannah, have reached a kind of milestone in your journey in therapy with Judy, and Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about it today. Where what? Yeah, spoiler alert: someone came to therapy that has (laughs) never been there before. That is an accurate statement, and to clarify, yes. Chuck and Judy have been going to therapy for some time, yeah. but who hadn't been to therapy in the flesh, so to speak, has been Savannah. Savannah has never donned her regalness and her fabulousness and strutted off to therapy for any sessions until so recently. Yeah, and that's what we get to talk about today. That is really exciting. And just to give you a little bit, a little secret, everyone, and Savannah, I think I told you this maybe once, but from the moment that you and Judy have been seeing this therapist, I've been secretly manifesting and dreaming for the day that Savannah would have a seat in that therapeutic space. And so I was just over the moon when I heard that the week had arrived and that you were in preparation to go to therapy. So can you just... Paint a little picture. What did you wear to oh, this session? Goodness, I, well, first of all, this was out of the blue. Our therapist was, I want to mix up a little bit. I'd like to see Savannah come to therapy. Yes. Savannah's always in therapy. We've talked about Savannah, third person. Our therapist has pointed to a chair away from the couch and said, okay, we need to put Savannah in that chair for a minute while we talk about this other thing. And so it's been like, she's always there and always talked about And yes, typically in a third person, because that's how we typically talk about her 
femme selves when we are not our femme selves, unless we only know people in our femme selves, and then we just talk first person about it. So therapists wanted to mix things up and shake it up a little bit and have Savannah come. And I'm like, oh, oh my God, what do I do? I want to look good and impress her and, and look fabulous. Yes, I was being very superficial, y'all. I was so worried about what I was going to wear. So the night before, I pulled out this wig and I'm like, oh no, it looks all corn husky at the end. And so I did the thing that we had talked about, I think last episode for the tips and tricks, washing it and cleaning it and putting curl back into it and making it look all snazzy, snazzy the night before. So the next day I could just shake it out, whip it out and it would be like all flowy. So that was important to me. I had to take time off work. And by that, I mean, I didn't take time off work. I actually left work around three-ish mm. and then drove and said, hey, listen, I'll be on this call. But while I was on that call, it was like some sort of 401k call. I was getting ready. I was mm-hmm. getting ready to, as I was listening to the meeting go on. And because I wanted to make sure we our session is at six and I usually leave work at five and it's like straight home, pick up Judy and go straight to therapy. So this was like, oh my God, I need to schedule time so I can get ready. And of course, like a doofus, I thought it was going to take me two hours to get ready or 90 minutes to get ready. And at five o'clock or 4.30, Judy and I are just sitting on the couch waiting Mm. because I got done so quickly. (laughs) So so now I'm like, so, hey, how how about those Panthers? (laughs) Just like we didn't know what to do. But to answer your question, I wore... My Capizio suntan dance tights. I wore cork wet shoes with the black straps, open toed. I had my green A-line dress, which is it's a white dress, but it has a lot of green pattern in it. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, did my makeup. As you know, I always try to match some color schema in my presentation. So I did a green and yellows in the eyes and try to do to general makeup and keep it bright. So yeah. So, uh, and I forgot to tell you, we'll get into this, but that was a few weeks ago. And so I went to therapy on my own because Judy is out of town. So I got to go one-on-one. And so one of the other therapists came to me and says, oh, where did you go to dinner that night? And I'm like, oh, did I go to dinner? What do we do? I had to think about it for a second because I didn't know that this person really knows me knows my situation so Mm -hmm. that was not savannah this day and i'm like oh yeah we went to dinner we got hibachi blah 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 it's like well you looked really great last week i just wanted to tell you and i was just like was so tickled that this person wanted to come to me and say i looked really good Mm. so that's very sweet after the fact right just upon reflection yeah right that's so validating that's so lovely yes and one more thing on this session we're there we're sitting we're getting ready our therapist comes out she's like oh you look really pretty and then we get into the room and we sit down oh i love your perfume what is that you know how sometimes when something's too much or it's just not really your type is i really like what you're wearing i'm like thank you very much (laughs) so i was all giddy and like feeling all like girly and validated so it was very lovely to walk into that and get some love yeah that's cool yeah so after you walk in and get some love, you know, what else? I don't want to get into the minutia of it. Of course, but it's it confidential. The one thing we talk about a lot is body language and the things that you're thinking or subconsciously thinking. 
and it affects your body language. The therapist would just ask questions about A, B, or C and just get our reaction of like how we were reacting to that and how would we actually respond. And so she's able to really gauge both our physical answer as well as our bodily or our biological answer in terms of whether it matches up to what you're actually saying. I thought you said bodily, like bodily fluids. Well, not the fluids, but bodily (laughs) sort of biological. Yes. Uh, Not scatological, just biological. It's to get a different gauge. Like I can say a hundred things as Chuck, right? And Judy may be completely open to it, but if I'm presenting as Savannah, it can change because the physicality is different. So it was just about, like I said, shaking it up, bringing her into therapy and seeing how that dynamic plays out. And yeah, it was really, really good. And she says, I'm not going to tell you when I'm not, this is not like every fourth week Savannah comes. She's basically a therapist said, I'm going to tell you or ask you some random week that the next week Savannah comes. Yeah. Possible. Yeah. It, it was cool. It definitely was cool. I enjoyed the fact that we did it. It was nice. And it's so funny because when Chuck goes, our therapist has a couch, like a not love seat, but a little bit bigger, has these pillows. And we typically are hugging the pillows. Yeah. And so I'm sitting there and I'm hugging the pillow, but because of all the shapewear I'm wearing, I'm sitting more close to the edge of the cushion and sitting a little higher and <laughs> more elevated and erect, just trying to keep my lines right, not look all slouchy and gross. Even that the therapist can see like how I physically interact with the world as Savannah as well. So that was the first time she was able to see me and my mode and see how I work and see what's different between when she talks to Chuck and when she talks to Savannah and what does she see differently? All that is in play. And that was really both for us as a couple and for our therapist, able to see it and interact. Yeah. It's interesting because I spent a lot of my shelf life with this therapist wondering what she thinks about me. I don't have the whole gender transformation thing. That in itself involves someone to take a look and analyze beyond them wanting to or not. You just do. But so much of my experience in therapy was getting it right, nailing it. You know, if I was saying something that was dishonest, really looking into her eyeballs, you know, (laughs) because at the time I couldn't remember is lying when you put your eyeballs to the left or to the right. No, 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 I'm just going to say it with such certainty. I'm going to look directly inside of her like a sociopath and I'm just going to, yeah, that's my truth. And so much of it was playing on my strong emotional intelligence, playing up my strong awareness, the idea that I got it figured out and this is what I think or gaining feedback from how well I'm able to analyze. And then I leave feeling like the perfect student, right? (laughs) But then over these past three years, I realized that for me to get the most out of my therapy experience, and this isn't covered by insurance, I do pay out of pocket. I really needed to start owning the fact shadow parts of ourselves or the parts of ourselves that need healing the most Mm. and the parts of ourselves that can be transformed with therapy involves showing the parts of yourself that aren't so perfectly put 
the words don't roll off your tongue, you're more likely to really take what the therapist says seriously. And not to say that you're not serious about putting your best self forward in in the most delicious packaged meal. I mean, that meal way, (laughs) rather, that takes some effort. The fact that nailing a therapy really comes with vulnerability vulnerability for you, not vulnerability to talk about topics that usually make most people uncomfortable, but to lead with discomfort, to sit with shame, Mm. to say things like, I don't know, that's really hard for me to say, or I'm having a lot of trouble feeling this feeling. That is true work. It really is. And while we are working on us as a couple. One of the benefits for me is when we have these one-to-one sessions every so often, we swap out like every third, fourth week, she goes or I go, whoever's turn it is. And it becomes less about the couple and more about, for me personally, her, our therapist, working with me to know more about me. While she's part of the community, she is also, as many of us, not as versed in Mm. my personal situation. She is not knowing of all the stuff I know, just like I would never know all the stuff she knows in her practice, in her journey, in her accreditation, all the work she had to do in women and gender studies, all the who, who the top people are to strive to use their work or their model of psychology. I don't know a fraction of what she knows, but yet in turn, there's so many things that I can teach her so we can have lovely conversations about how I feel about myself, my introspection, the work I've done, like you stated, the sharing of knowledge, which enriches both me by saying it and her by learning it or something mm-hmm. she can take offline and say, oh, who is this person you're talking about? Well, let me look them up because I hadn't heard of them before. So each of our situations is very unique, as would be for all of us who might go into therapy. And it's super, super, super important to find a therapist who is right for you, not going to be a yes person for you to really endorse everything you want to hear. Because like you said, that's not the work. Work is hard. Work is ugly. Work is painful. Work is uncomfortable. And if you're not feeling those feels, then you're probably not in the right therapy office. You're probably not on the right couch. Because if you're coming away completely validated every time you leave a session, why are you in therapy? You should be challenged in a way to force yourself to see the world and see yourself a little more critically. I'm not saying you need to say, well, my therapist says I shouldn't cross-dress or that my idea of being gender diverse is wrong. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if you go in and you come away and you really don't feel any different, you don't feel like you... Like you're pulling at a string of your mind and your heart and your emotion and your biology. That's like, huh, let me dig into that a little bit more. Let me just sit with that. If you're not coming away in most sessions with that idea, then I think you're shortchanging yourself. And like you said, if you're paying for it out of pocket, don't waste your time. You're there specifically to better yourself and don't shortchange yourself by wanting somebody to tell you you're amazing, even though we all are. Right. I think that what it comes down to, there's a few thoughts that I want to share after hearing you speak. 
if we lie to our therapist to make her like us, to make him at ease, to to make him feel better, because if we showed up being too much of ourselves, it would just be too much and X, Y, and Z. If we have sexual feelings, parental feelings, all the kind of feelings that come up in therapy that are called transference, where you transfer your shit onto a therapist and you feel like your therapist is that person, they're not, but it's called transference. And if you're not honest about what's happening in therapy, if you're lying, you're only lying to yourself. The second part of it is showing up, especially as your feminine self, is vulnerable. It's vulnerable. And so if you feel like you have to put on whatever protective layer, if you have to be extra on, if you feel like you have to sit in a certain way, if you feel judged and analyzed and you feel like you have to be, quote, the perfect version of you, Mm. that is where you're at in therapy. And I know you said maybe you're sitting on the wrong couch. Now, I want to take that a little step further. The main thing that you should take away from your starting place in therapy is do you feel safe, which is number one. So you do everything you have to do to get there. But do you feel heard? Do you feel heard? Do you feel like this person is someone that you can share with? You don't have to share everything. Maybe you share just one thing. Maybe you have one breakdown per six-month increments. There's no race to therapy. There's no being really good at therapy. There's showing up where you are showing up with someone that can hold loving space for you. That to me is the most important part. Do I feel safe and do I feel heard? Mm, God, you're so right. I think it was maybe a month ago at this point where we're just going through it. And again, our therapist is amazing. Is very, just like sets that, like that tone and that just, I don't know, like you said, that space that you feel like you can talk even if it's a difficult conversation. And of course, when you have difficult conversations and you get all defensive and riled up, she knows to say, okay, everybody slow down. Like we're getting into a space where this is not productive. Let's take a breath. What did you really mean? And that's what the therapist is there for too. So like to get you to work through your own communication skills, which everybody can benefit from. There was a episode toward the end of one session that we did four or six weeks ago where toward the end, I'm trying to state a case and I just burst into tears mm. and I was mad sobbing. It was, <laughs> it was not pretty sobbing. And one, it snuck up on me. Don't get me wrong. But two, the fact that I could allow it and not stifle it off and be all manly, like, <laughs> you know, push it all back down. I yeah. just let it happen. And this was in a very, like I said, a safe space where I felt like it was okay. And that is so, 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 so important to, to be able to do that. It almost, it's not like they state it. It's not like they say, this is a safe place where you can be vulnerable. You have to feel it. People can say it a thousand times, but you really need to feel it. And I did. I felt it. And I, we both are able to just bear our souls in a lot of ways and have those raw emotions. So, yeah, absolutely. Totally agree with that. And things that come up in therapy, have a way of showing up throughout your week before the next session and popping up or finally a word that your therapist says or that your partner says or that you say is replayed in your head. 
I don't know if this is happening to you, but it, it is quite common that those therapy sessions, I mean, for me, for many years, I would replay the entire session in my head and just sentences would just find their way back to me and hit my heart in a different way. Mm. Or something would, I'd emotionally bump up against something jagged that I wanted to more, that needed more time to explore. And suddenly the therapist had to carefully wrap it up in a bow. And I was so angry because by the end of the session, we got to the point, we got to the nucleus, we had bumped up onto that most powerful point to then explore and uh, I'm sorry, your session's over. And so for me, paying at the start is really important because creating this transaction after these emotional explosions or however the therapy session may end is really important to me because this is my person. My therapist is my person and my therapist has been my person for quite some time now. And figuring out a way to, to protect yourself during moments that something happens during your week and you have an entire week to go, or you have three weeks to go, or you just found out your therapist is going away and can't see you the next session. Those times, things like a journal is really helpful. Things like pulling your partner aside, things like telling yourself to stick a pin in it. But yeah, therapy is definitely a journey mm. and you'll... I don't know, to be a fly in the wall on someone's therapy session, I think is such a unique experience on its own. It's really quite fascinating. It really is. And the one thing I want to get back to, I'm listening to you. It was funny, Savannah going to therapy for that first time was, I felt very nervous. And I felt nervous, not because it's somebody I know or don't know, or whether she would accept or not accept Savannah. It almost felt like a first date in a way. Where I was like, I want to make a good impression. I want to wear a nice thing. I want to look pretty. I want to look presentable. And I don't know if that's just me backtracking onto the need to be passable or the need to put like this extra effort into my presentation today because I don't want to show up to therapy. She'd like, yeah, gross. I was like, I don't know if that's a me thing. I don't know if I could just showed up in yoga pants and my tits in a nice, nice top. And it probably would have been fine. Right. But for some reason, I was very nervous about making a good first impression, which is so ironic and so seemingly silly. But for me, it was, it was something I thought about. I felt nervous about, I want to wear something nice. I want to look presentable. I want my makeup to be on point. I wanted my hair to look awesome. I don't want to mm -hmm. look like I just put on some party city wig. Whatever it was, it was like I was very much wanting approval, I think, in a lot of ways, which is a me thing because I know she's not coming to the table going, oh, well, thanks for putting no effort in. But I know that's not what she's thinking. It was just weird. It was a weird dynamic in my head to feel like I needed to impress her in some way. So I thought that's an interesting takeaway. The one thing I wanted to touch on, because this I haven't done. I have not gone to therapy for myself for Savannah. Well, I'm getting little pieces of it in couples therapy that we're in. So I'm getting like dips and bips and bobs and, and getting nuggets of truth and authenticity and awesome things to follow up on. Yeah, I'm getting all that. But I am not going to therapy specifically to find myself. So the one thing I do not want to discount is what we've mentioned to our listeners before, 
is it is so important to find the right therapist, find one who understands the queer community. And just let you know, I don't understand the therapy journey for somebody who's trying to understand their gender better or to figure out whether they need to transition. I've done that work already on my own. Would it have been would it have been much better had I done it 10 years ago in therapy? Sure. But I did it on my own and I got to a very confident place on my own. But I just want people to know that one, as we always say, therapy is a good thing. Didn't you tell me a story, Julie, about somebody in the airport? Yeah, I was actually on the flight back from visiting you. I was actually in in, in Charlotte and I had stopped at a Starbucks in the airport. And there was this gentleman that I would probably judge or at first glance say as a staunch Republican, like a cowboyish type, but a preppy one. I had all my judgments and my lists as I'm waiting in line for my iced tea, whatever it was. They they were on the phone and they were just reviewing something and try, trying to find a time to meet with this person, whoever they were talking to. And they were saying, I can't do Tuesday because I'm my therapist on that day. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's decent. You know what I mean? And just continuing on with the conversation. And what dawned on me is the fact that therapy and going to see a therapist is no longer a stigma. I could officially say that and thought that in my head at this very clean Starbucks at the Charlotte airport. And that's largely due to the pandemic and the fact that not only is it okay to be not okay, but all of us are not really okay. And we're just moving through this planet, not okay. And that therapy is okay. You know, yes, yeah. This person could have said, I have an appointment. This person could have said, that won't work for me. I'm busy. That person could have said all the things that people would say when they have a therapy appointment, but God forbid they let anyone know it's therapy. Yeah. To just saying, I have therapy on that day. <laughs> it was amazing. It, I was mind blown, I have to say. I was mind blown. And often I am as I dip my ear back into society and view the world and how people engage with the space. And it was just, I don't know, it was just kind of wonderful. Yeah, I've been a fan of the therapeutic arts, as I call it, for quite some time, especially since I met my therapist. I don't know if it's 14 years ago. And I have no plans to stop seeing her. <laughs> I will see her till she retires. Now, if I can convince my inner child that once a month is totally appropriate and that I will survive beyond every other week, I will survive. I can absolutely do once a month. That's its own story for now. But I definitely think therapy being put on the map as something that is that we are worthy of, that there's no shame in it, is a really beautiful thing. I agree. Uh, and I know you could go on and on and on about the benefits of therapy, about the benefits of having somebody outside of your core dynamic be able to speak to you in a way that makes you think more about yourself, bounce ideas off of, all those things. We could go on and on. But again, everybody's journey in therapy is very, very unique to themselves. The one thing I want to share before we close out is my therapist says, our brains are not wired for happiness. Our brains are wired for survival. Mm -hmm. And as a result, we don't see the world happy-go-lucky every second of every day. 
it's just not really part of our core nature. We've always been fight or flight or freeze. We've been not the top of the food chain for millennia. All these things have been in place, so our brains have been developed to survive and be social as well for most of us. But happiness is not necessarily that core default setting. So you know, I can just say that it's important to go, and especially for people like us who have that extra layer of complexity, please, if you can, I totally recommend it. And it's, it would be a good thing for you. Yeah, I highly, highly recommend it as well. It is our job on this planet to work on all those things that were dumped onto us without our consent and figure out how to be a good person and to love ourselves. When you showed up as Savannah and you're questioning why you know you had to be perfect and felt the need to put your best foot forward and make sure that your makeup was on point and head to toe all these details. Well, that is very primal. And that has to do with the two things that I said were needed for therapy. And that number one thing that is needed is feeling safe. So for you, Savannah, your image is your protection. It is your experience as a woman. So it makes sense to me why you'd feel all these things. And yes, logically, we know she's not going to judge you. We know she's not going to think all these things. Another part of our job in therapy is to combat all the safety things, the need to protect, the need to come up with thoughts that our therapist had that aren't really there and sit in the space just with ourselves. And it's really, really hard but it is encouraged. It is necessary. And as we close up this episode and wrap it all into a delicious therapeutic bow, I would like to give a shout out to all the individuals that work their asses off in therapy and all the therapists out there that hold space for us. This is really hard work to be born as a light worker or as an empath or be born as someone who realizes their mission in life is to be a counselor for people. I know for both of us, you and I have discussed how exhausting it must be for therapists who do this kind of work. Because we know in the work that we do that we constantly have to check in with our energy level because we are counselors ourselves. We may not be therapists. We may not have a degree in psychology or social work, but you and I, we hold space for individuals and doing the work ourselves is really, really important. So thank you to everyone who's doing the work. Thank you to all those light workers that are providing counsel for us. We really, really appreciate it. We need it. And it helps us stay safe in this crazy, crazy world. Great. Savannah, I'm proud of you for showing up in therapy. I am proud of myself for keep on going to therapy. It is the most radical act of self-care. And let's just keep on doing that. Okay. So, agree, agree, agree. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I love you very much, Savannah. Mwah. Mwah, back. Please like, share, and subscribe, and follow us. Bye for now. Until next time. You can find me on Facebook at Savannah Hawk, 
or at Living With Crossdressing and on Instagram at Savannah Hawk. Remember, that's H-A-U-K. And to learn more, go to my website, livingwithcrossdressing.com. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Fox and Hanger or at Julie MTF Style, as well as on our website at foxandhanger.com. Julie, it's your moment. <gasps> the Fox and the Phoenix podcast uses Anchor copyright 2023. Yes, nailed it. If you enjoy our content and want to make it easier for others to find us, please share with your friends, tap the subscribe or follow button to the show wherever you're listening, give it a five-star rating, or leave a review. And for show ideas or comments, contact us through the podcast on Facebook at Fox and Phoenix Podcast or on Instagram at the Fox and the Phoenix Podcast underscore.